Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hockey episode number 49 presented by the Barroom Network. It is the home of your brand new GM'd and not locked out National Hockey League. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller. And he is obsessed with people being bad at Wheel of Fortune. And of course, I mess up the intro. I'm Vinny Parisi. I'm so happy to be here. Of course, you might be missing. The reason I mess up the intro is because we're missing a very, you know, kind of important piece to our podcast. It's Joey Parisi, and normally I do me, then him, then you. But, you know, it's it's fine. How are you, Frank? I'm good. Uh, I'm pretty sure you've done me the past few times first, though, if I remember Have correctly. I? I think Have so. I, really? I think you could lead off with yourself last. No, I always say my name is Vinny Parisi, and this right here, this is Frankie oh, yeah. Mueller. You do that, yeah. So, so my name is Vinny Parisi, and this it's, right it's here, this is Frankie though. Mueller. Yeah, it, it, like it's live. We got a live show, so anything can happen. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm not always going to nail it perfectly straight on the head when we're live, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little frustrated too. Frank deserves to go first over. Well, Frankie could do the intro. Then. How about that? <laughs> no, you're good on the intro. Yeah, no, I'm fine on the intro. I kind of got a little messed up there because of the fact that Joey Parisi's not here. We miss him, but the show must go on, right, Frank? I mean, we're fine. Absolutely. We're going to we're gonna have a killer show for everybody listening and watching, and I'm excited. Yeah, how mad are you? I did allude to it. How mad are you about that Wheel of Fortune thing? I mean, when I saw it, because like if you read the title of the video or you see the YouTube video, you kind of know what the answer is, but I saw it before I saw that, and I'm pretty sure I got it right, if I remember. But it makes sense how many people got it wrong, but they got it wrong for the wrong reasons. Like they were saying lap and map and you know those weren't awards. It was either hat or cap. Yeah, I agree. So I and for those for those who have absolutely no idea what Frank and I are talking about, last night it went viral on Wheel of Fortune that the three contestants missed the entire time. They what did they miss it? Like six times solving well, the puzzle? I know the same lady messed up twice, and then another person tried solving, and they got it wrong. There were two bankrupts, a lose a turn. It's like nothing went wrong, or nothing went right for two and a half minutes straight. Absolutely. And the thing that pissed me off the most was they kept guessing the feather on the cap or hat. I agree that it could have been hat or cap and gone either way. I don't think you're stupid for not figuring that part out. But what bothered me the most is that there was – when it was on the cap, there was an O already on the board. So and like if you, so and you knew a T. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The it yeah. The T and feather. Yeah, feather. You're right. So you're right. Hat should be eliminated. People forget that when you are playing Wheel of Fortune, you eliminate the letters for the rest of the. So you have to think more critically. It yeah, definitely should have been cap. Another feather on or in your cap. 
Yeah. So right yeah, that, there, that was I, the answer. That Another right there, feather you know, in your cap. Yeah, and that right there, you could see there's no uh, T in the final word because there's yeah. a T and another and feather. Yeah. Um, and you know it's not on because there's an O in your and an O in another. So I mean, when you're playing these type of shows, you kind of gotta put all the pieces together. You know, I mean, it's a puzzle for a reason. You just gotta yeah. dissect it a little bit. And yeah. the thing that irritated me the most is. Two people guessed letters that – why would you even guess those letters? I think somebody guessed – the guy guessed the D. Where would a D be? It's not going to be in after the O in your, and it's not going to be D-N. What did they think the last word was? Dan or something? Dad. Another feather dad? in your dad. I mean, I, and then somebody guessed the G. What, gap? What else would that – where would G fit in? And, like, have you ever heard of a feather on a cap? Like, it's a thing. Right. Like, yeah, people it's are now... in your cap because you don't lay it on, you stick it in your cap. And you laughed at me last night because we were together when we watched this live after it went viral. About what was it? About an hour after the show aired, it started to go viral. Yeah. And I came up with like my little conspiracy theory that it was like done on purpose. And you go, Oh, you think everything's done on purpose? I'm sorry that after the last two years, the way shit has gone on this planet, that I have a hard time believing some things. Like, how are you that dumb? I mean, it, it, there's a lot of dumb people out there, VP. I know, I know. But I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, kid. And the, and the thing that I was questioning you on, I never, I don't think that was staged at all, obviously, because these people are trying to win money. It's not like these people have a lot of money. They're going on the show to win money. Um, I think the whole bankrupt thing, I don't think it's weighted. I mean, these are just – how would you weight it? I have no – dude – I it's don't not know. Weighted balls or something. They're little slices on the wheel. I know, but un under the wheel. Under the wheel. Yeah, but weighting it would do nothing. It would have to be like magnetized or something, but even then is. Yeah, I, I have no idea. There's more than one bankrupt on the board, though, which was a good, like, something that Joey pointed out yesterday. Shout out, Joey. We only kind of miss you on the show right now. I don't know. It, was, maybe, a, it was a tough scene. And maybe the placement of the bankrupt makes a difference maybe they had mathematical geniuses in the background place those bankrupts on those slices for specific reasons that we don't know maybe there's like a 0.5 percent better chance of it landing where it's supposed to land other than somewhere else on the board absolutely well hopefully those people got a good kick out of it at least they got to go viral i would almost rather go viral like that and everybody know my name than let's win a hundred bucks you know, because we kept going bankrupt. But we do have a fact from Aldo in the chat. FCC imposed strict rules on politicizing the authenticity of game shows because of a scandal many years ago. That's interesting to know. That probably will change my opinion on it forever. Like, of course, if that's true, then, yeah, it's obviously not fake. Yeah, I mean, these people are, like I said, trying to win money. It's not like they're celebrities trying to get money for their charity or stuff like that. I mean... If I was on a game show, I hope it's not rigged against me. I want to use my skills and my knowledge to the test to try and win me as much money as I can. Absolutely. Uh, I see Scott's comment about being pumped for the Batman on Friday with some rock on emojis. Scott, we're, we're going to talk a little hint, hint, a little bit of Batman in the third period. Very excited about the movie. And we'll get into that in a little bit, so stay tuned. But one thing we do got to touch on right at the beginning of the episode will come in period number one. Welcome to period one of Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 49. I almost did the intro again just to redeem myself, but we're past that stage. 
you know, sometimes I get a little nervous about the intro going in because, like, I want to say something fresh about each person going in. What I wanted to say was it is the home of your unlocked National Hockey League, you know, a little dig at Major League Baseball. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I'm the biggest Boston Bruins fan currently on your screen. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he's obsessed with bad Wheel of Fortune clips. Like, that that's where I was going with it, so. Okay, all right. You got through it. Yep, shit happens. You know what else happens? Sometimes people get fired when they stink at their job. And one of those people was Stan Bowman. Stan Bowman was very bad at his job. He was one of the many people who swept the Kyle Beach situation under the rug when the team was a couple wins away from winning the Stanley Cup back in 2010. That's the reason he got fired. But he also should have been hired for hockey operations years prior to us finding all this stuff out because he was bad at his job. Panarin for Saab, disaster. Yalmerson for Murphy, disaster. Even though now Murphy is like worth it. Murphy's a great player, but like he's a great player post Blackhawks championship window. They could have gotten more out of Jalmerson while the rest of the team, you see what I'm saying? And then getting rid of Bickle's contract or getting rid of Tara Vinen to get rid of Bickle's contract, getting rid of Vinny Hinestroza to get rid of Marion Hosa's dead contract. Like there are just so many ways that he kind of got rid of good players. Tyler Mott is a really good defensive player for the Vancouver Canucks. Phil Denault has been a Selkie trophy, good two-way centerman since leaving town. So it's been tough, but it's a new era of Chicago Blackhawks hockey because the Chicago Blackhawks, they went through an extensive search for this new general manager that they were going to go with. And they landed on Kyle Davidson. And we actually have a clip here from Danny Wirtz talking about the search committee and how they went to a thir- through a thorough search in order to find the current general manager. Well, the process was was thorough. Uh, it was it was deep with each of the candidates. Um, as I said before, we went through multiple dimensions of the things we were looking for. Um, but Kyle continued to not only answer those questions, but really answer the call based on his work in the last four months. And I think if you know Kyle, and as all of you are going to get to know, well, the process was. And then Kyle went on stage and had this type of intro. I want to acknowledge where the team is today. It's clear that we need to be better. The standings tell us that every single day. We're a long way from where we want to be and where we need to be as a team. And we intend to rebuild this both on and off the ice. No matter if it takes three years, five years to get to the level of success that we're looking to achieve. When we get there, it's our mission to stay there. Frank, what are your thoughts on Kyle Davidson as the new general manager of your Chicago Blackhawks? Well, obviously this was huge news. I got the notification about it the other day. Um, and I had a feeling that this was going to happen from the beginning. Ever since he had that interim tag placed on his name, Kyle Davidson, interim GM for the Chicago Blackhawks, it seems like 70% of the time or more, they end up changing interim just to getting rid of that and making him permanent, right? And I kind of think that's how it's going to be with Derek King. That'll be a story for a different day. Um, but Kyle Turn, Kyle Turn. Kyle Davidson in his four month term that he's served so far as GM. I mean, I think he's been running the franchise pretty well. He's a young guy. He's 33 years old. Um, I like the direction that the Hawks went with this. They didn't, you know, they interviewed Peter Shirelli as a potential candidate for um, 
the GM position. They interviewed somebody, I forgot his name, in the Cubs organization, right? Because he had GM experience. What Greenberg. Is his name? Greenberg. Greenberg. Um, but the fact that they didn't go with a veteran GM just proves, like, the Hawks want to go. We're in a different era in the NHL, right? Those GMs, there's some great GMs in the, the history of the National Hockey League. But the Hawks are going to go towards a new generation. They're choosing a younger guy. They're trying to see how this man is going to take the franchise and change it. We've already seen what Peter Shirelli could do as GM. We have already seen what some of these other candidates have been able to do as GM. So I like the fact that they're choosing Kyle Davidson as the path going forward. And, you know, he's answered the questions all in the right way, right? He, he talked about, oh, you know, it's going to take time. It's going to take three, five years. I mean, that right there proves he's not lying to you, right? He doesn't want somebody to come in here and not give a time frame and somebody be like, oh, it's been two years. You haven't done much with the franchise because he knows that there's so many problems going on in the organization right now that this is all going to take time to fix, right? And I respect his honesty, like hugely. I expect I respect that. Um so yeah, I'm excited. I'm I couldn't be more excited. I'm happy he got the job, and we'll see how he paves the way forward. And we have a clip on how Kyle Davidson believes that this is going to take a rebuild in order to get it right. Yeah, no, we're we're going to look at more of a rebuild here. I think there's there's some some things that we really need to to fix that that are going to take time. It's going to take time, and we're not going to put a timeline on it. Whether it's three, five. I, I don't have that answer right now. That will that will be determined uh, as we proceed. But um, you know, we we really need to do this the right way, and we're gonna we're gonna stick to the plan and and take our time with it and and make sure that uh, when we get to where we want to go, then then it was it was the result of of a plan that was stuck to and not deviated from. Okay, so he alluded to in there, in my opinion. He alluded to a little letter that the Blackhawks sent out maybe like two years ago-ish. I remember I was at the gym working out when they came out. And it was like, oh, we're going to rebuild this thing and we're going to do it the right way and it's going to be about our young players. And then what do they do? They go out and trade for Marc-Andre Fleury and trade for Seth Jones and give him a big contract. That doesn't scream like doing it the right way. Those are things you do to like keep a championship window open. And like that's just not where the, the team is as an organization. So when you use the word rebuild, if you're Kyle Davidson, you have Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrinkett, all these guys have only next year left on their deal. And Taves might retire. I think Taves is going to retire personally. And then Kane, he'll be good for another three to five years, like very good, top 30 player in the NHL. And Alex DeBrinkett's one of the 10 best goal scorers in the NHL. I mean, if you're talking rebuild, you're trading all three of them, or if Taves retires, two of the three. But it's going to be hard to trade a $10 million contract. I understand that. To bring it would get you a haul. Um, where are you at on this team, like, rebuilding as a whole? Well, yeah, I definitely from what Kyle Davidson said in that last clip that we saw, it definitely seemed like he was – a little dig towards Stan Bowman, right? Because Bowman declared that the the Blackhawks were officially going through a rebuild in October of 2020. Um, however, just like you said, then you go out and get Mark Andre Fleury. So then, but even after that, he still says, "No, we're rebuilding." Well, getting Mark Andre Fleury, no, you're not rebuilding. So won the Vesna Trophy the year before, Stan. 
so and and you know that you're not you're not going to have Flurry long term. So you're getting a veteran. It's you're not rebuilding. He lied straight to everybody's faces. And so the fact that don't continue to say you're rebuilding even after that happened because it just makes you look stupid. And he he does look stupid. However, to answer your question going forward, um, yeah, Kyle Davidson mentioned the whole rebuild thing, right? And I truly believe that. I, I get what he's saying, right? You're going to have to use your draft picks. You're going to have to bring in young, young prospects to build around. Um, we don't know the future of Taves and Kane. If Taves is going to retire, I hope not. That's my guy. Um, we'll see what happens. But I think that trading away to Brinkett would just be devastating, right? That's what we've seen. Blackhawks fans seeing Tara Vining getting traded away, seeing Panarin getting traded away, seeing favorites of the team who have were there to help the team and who are young um, just gone like dust. I think, and I don't know what his definition of rebuilding. And I know rebuilding means we're taking everybody. We're bringing in a fresh load. We're getting rid of everybody. We're starting from scratch. I don't know if that's what he meant or if he means rebuilding around Kane, rebuilding around to you know, rebuilding around Taves. I mean, those are your three main core. And I strongly believe that you could rebuild around them. That's how the Hawks were able to win three cups in six years because you had them. You signed in a big contract. You know, I mean, it wasn't the greatest thing to have all your money and your salary cap invested into a few players, but you were able to build around them. And I think that is something that could be done again um, if it's going about the right way. I think, like you said, Kane's got three to five years left. He's still producing at a crazy pace for his age. Um, Debrinkit's been an absolute stud. I think there's moves to go where you don't have to get rid of them and you could build around them as a core. It's it's just a little hard with the salary cap right now. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. It sucks. It's easy to compare the Debrinket situation to Tara Vinen to Panarin. Uh, I think he's better than Tara Vinen, but not Panarin. But eh, it's close. Tara Vinen's very good. But their team was ready to win when Tara Vinen and Panarin were traded away. They're not ready to win now. Alex Dabrinkit has never played in the postseason if you don't count the bubble. So I have a hard time not taking a first, a second, and a high-end prospect for Dabrinkit who might get a $9 million contract in free agency as an, or as an RFA after this year or after next year. Because if he comes out, if he, let's say he ends this season, what's he on pace for, like 40, 45 goals? Yeah. Um, let's say he does that this year, 65, 70 points. And then next year he's 40 goals again, but he tacks on an extra five assists. So we're talking about a 75 to 80 point player. That's a $9 million contract. That's him making as much as a Stamkos or a Kucherov, even though I'm, I'm not sure the Hawks should be trying to play those types of contracts right now. I just don't. And if you can get a huge haul, for someone like to bring it, I think it's worth considering if he's willing to take a $6 million deal and be like the face of the franchise. And one of the wingers that you build around, that's another thing. He's a winger. Mm-hmm. You don't build around wingers. You start from the back end out and with the forwards, it's the centers. You know, when they started, it was, they had Niemi and then in the system was Crawford. QA probably played a little more than people anticipated, but it was Niemi and Crawford and then Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Jalmerson, they were all drafted, talking goalie out. And then, you know, they were building around tapes. And then they hit the lottery and got Patrick Kane, who drives offense like a center. He's a generational winger. Tabrinkit's not that. He's very good, but he's not that. And 
So for me, if you're rebuilding, you got to really ask yourself some hard questions. Patrick Kane is 33. I believe he's 33. Yeah, and, he and so by the time his contract's over, he'll be pushing 35. I believe his birthday's in November. And I, I think at that point, you, you could either sign Kane for cheaper after his contract is up, just so you have Kane and, you know, everything he's done and help the young guys. I don't think it would hurt. But also if you can get a first and multiple prospects for him next year from a team like the Avalanche who can afford to take on that contract, I think that's a serious thing to consider because he's so good and other teams would pay for that. Okay. And then you got someone like Brandon Hagel who's having a career year. But do we think Brandon Hagel is going to be a 25 goal scorer for the next seven years? I don't. Okay, I just don't. And if a team like the Florida Panthers is offering up Spencer Knight and a first-round pick for Brandon Hagel for their upcoming cup run because they're confident in Bobrovsky and they're okay with going for the cup this year, you got to do it. You got to do it. You have no goalie in the pipeline. I know Camesso. Camesso, he's a very good goalie. But, like, he's not one of those high-end goalie prospects where we know for a fact that he is going to be awesome in the NHL. He's not what Vasilevsky was when he was first drafted in the first round or when Sam Sonoff was a first round pick for the Capitals. Um, Carey Price, first round pick. Marc-Andre Fleury, first overall pick. He's not one of those guys. He's a second round, third round pick. He's like Corey Crawford was when he was a prospect. Corey Crawford, when he was a prospect, could have gone either way. You know, at you know when people evaluated him as a prospect, they looked at him and went, this guy could be really good in the NHL or he could not. You know, it, it's one of those like project type prospects. Same thing with Drew Camesso. Okay, let's Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc was a third overall pick. It was a bad pick. It wasn't a horrid. It wasn't like the worst pick they could have had. He's not a bust. He's an NHL player and will be for the next 10 years. But is he Trevor Zegras? Is he Spencer Knight? I mean, the Hawks could have taken Spencer Knight third overall and had the goalie for the future locked in. Um, I'm trying. Oh, Bowen Byram, outstanding defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche. So I'm not sure about Kirby Doc. Is his ceiling a 40-point guy? That's a good player. I wish I could score 40 points in the NHL. I'd sign up to do that. But for a third overall pick, it's tough. Ian Mitchell and Nicholas Bodin, they haven't been given a chance yet. We'll see if they're ever called up and given an opportunity. They traded for Jones. That took a, a roster spot away from guys like that. I think Calvin DeHaan will probably be moved at this upcoming trade deadline because he's a UFA. Um, that, to me, is what a rebuild is like. And you see it with teams in other sports or even in hockey. Um, I think of the Toronto Maple Leafs. When the Toronto Maple Leafs were, I believe they were in a playoff spot in December of 2013. And then as the calendar year flipped to 2014, they were very, very bad. And they ended up coming in, or it was 14-15. And they ended up coming in fourth to last place. They drafted Marner. Okay, but throughout that process, they traded Phil Kessel to the Pittsburgh Penguins and they traded James Van or they they kept James Van Riemsdyk actually for some reason. Um, they, they traded off a whole bunch of prospect or FNUF was moved. Uh, they traded Reimer, just their core was gone and they land the first overall pick and get Austin Matthews and they build through the draft with Nylander and Marner and they signed Tavares once they believe that they're ready to take that next step. And that, to me, is what I see as a rebuild, and that's what I think Kyle Davidson is probably looking to do with the Blackhawks. Yeah, and something like we we know no player in any sport is untradeable, right? 
um, Gretzky. Wayne, Wayne Gretzky was traded in his prime. So that right there shows you no player is untradeable. However, there were rumblings in the Blackhawks organizations a couple months ago, and it was it was talked about that the Hawks said that they wouldn't trade Kane or Taves. This was like talked about. I don't know. I don't think it was ever made like official. Like I don't think Kyle did, but they were talked about that the Hawks wouldn't trade Taves or Kane unless they wanted to be out, unless they asked to be traded, which is something I don't see. And as we saw a, a comment earlier from Aldo, do you think Kane and or Taves will accept less money if he renegotiates his deal, add more years, but less than the overall average per, per year? I do think because of how invested those two players by themselves made this city, they turned the city into a hockey city, right? Before the Hawks won three cups in six years, it wasn't till what, 79 or 69 or I think 69. Um Nice. Hawks won a cup. So there was a long drought where the Hawks didn't have much success in the NHL. And those two players kind of changed the aspect of hockey in Chicago. And they've done so much for the organization that they are the type of people, in my opinion, to say, hey, I'm willing to take a pay cut to stay with Chicago to help pave the way for future Blackhawks. And even when they're done with the Hawks, they are going to have huge uh, roles in this organization. We're not going to, when Kane and Taves retire, that will not be the last of we hear of Kane or Taves. They will be in this franchise for a very long time. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And as far as talking about the goalie situation here, yeah, there's not much going on in the farm system as terms of goalies. You know, the Blackhawks got Drew Camesso, who I think could very well be the next Corey Crawford. I think what we've seen so far from him playing at lower levels, I like what I see personally. Um, I know he's not ready to come up to the NHL level quite just yet, but I'm hoping that when he does, you know, he is the next Crawford. He is the next face of the franchise, you know, and we, we won't know, right? Because there's players that surprise you, and but I sh- strongly believe that Drew Camesso will be the Blackhawks goalie going forward, 100%. Yeah, it all depends if they can get – it depends what they can get in trades too. Like if they were to move Hagel to Vancouver – for a third and Demko, I think they would take it, you know, because Demko's having a great year, but the Canucks like DiPietro. So they're eventually they're going to move on from him when it comes time to pay him. If you could get a guy like that, they they would do it. There's no doubt in my mind. Like, even if Camesso is very good, the Hawks, I think, would still do that because it's having good goalies, it changes from year to year. I mean, we thought Blackwood was the future of the Devils for how long? And then this year he started to stink, and now we're questioning it. So goalies are weird. Injuries can change everything. Um, I do agree that Taves and Kane will be with the organization past retirement, but I also think neither of them are stupid and understand that in order for the team to move forward, it might have to be without them if they want to continue their playing careers well into their 30s. Kane is still very productive. But I don't think they're going to be trying to win on the ice as much for the next couple years. And, like, do you want to see Kane play on a team like that? Is it fun having Kane score hat tricks on a team that is going nowhere? They might come in second to last in the Central Division. The only team that's worse is the Coyotes, who are one of the bigger jokes in probably all of sports in terms of a ran organization. So I think there's – there's a lot of ways to go about it. I do think they'll both return to the team 
after their playing days are over. Maybe I could see Taves running the Hawks one day, president of hockey operations. None of that stuff would surprise me from him. And then Patrick Kane, I think he'll always be like a mascot of some sort. Like you see Patrick Sharp, Marion Hossa, uh, Eddie Olchek, they're all advisors to the team these days. And I can see Patrick Kane doing stuff like that. He's already made comments about the team listening to him now as a player a little bit and chiming in on some of that stuff. And I think it's fair because he has done so much. 88 and 19 are going to be retired numbers at the United Center within the next 10 years. It wouldn't surprise me if they build statues. I mean, being a statue player is like extremely rare. Like who has a statue outside the United Center? Michael Jordan, Bobby Hall, and Stan McKenna? I mean, that's it. And in Pittsburgh, I think it's just Mario. They'll put a Sid Crosby one, I think. But, you know, it's just hard to be a statue guy. And those two guys might be statue guys. And it's going to be weird, man, because the right thing to do is to get rid of them both soon. I, I believe that because this team has to move forward. They're not going to with 30 mil invested in three players. That's not how you rebuild. Talking about Seth Jones, Taves, and Kane. And then Debrinkit might be in the eight to nine range next year. That's just not how you rebuild. And the New York Rangers did it flawlessly. Now, I think they – the Rangers are, or I shouldn't say flawlessly. There's definitely some flaws there because instead of Lafreniere and Kako leading the way, it's Panarin and Sabanajad who were signed and older players now. So, I, you know, they're a very good team and could win the cup this year and next year, but I don't see them having sustained success for that reason. But it's all about sustained success. When the Hawks were winning cups, it's because of Taves and Kane. And, you know, I think the only one, they signed Marion Hosa when they were ready to win. And that is like the only veteran guy that they added to the young group that helped get them over the edge. So you figure out who that is down the line. And once the team is ready to go to win, then you say, hey, what upcoming free age can help push us over the edge? Then you go get them. And it's hard with the salary cap. That that changes everything. It makes it hard to keep Taves and Kane through a rebuild. But they have not won a playoff series since signing those contracts. Yeah, I mean, but what if they took less money for a contract, which I yes. think is really possible? That is but, something you could rebuild around because yeah. you're not investing all your salary cap into three players then, which is something I wholeheartedly believe will happen. They will take less money to stay with the Hawks. I'm not sure Taves will because he's not worth much of anything. Um, Patrick Kane, I'm just going to nail you with some facts right here. Patrick Kane currently has 53 points in 50 games. So he's on pace for 86 points. That's a $7 million player. You know, he's not going to be underpaid. I promise you that. He's not going to be underpaid. You know, that that's kind of the good faith of the NHL is it's collectively bargained. Like the guys who are worth the money are going to get the money and it's very hard. And if you have Patrick Kane on your team, helping you win games that you shouldn't win and that hurt your draft stock and your rebuilding ability, that's also a thing to talk about. You know, did the devils miss out on Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel because Corey Schneider was their goalie? I think so. They came in sixth to last. That year, the McDavid draft, sixth to last in the NHL. And Schneider had a goals against average, slightly over two. And 
a save percentage of like 918, 920. You take Schneider off that team, that team could have gotten McDavid or Eichel. And they're paying for it all these years. Now they're starting to finally see their number one picks like really play well. But like sometimes that's also a, a topic of conversation. Can Kane hinder you from getting Shane Wright? Can he hinder you from getting Bedard next year, who's filthy? Um, it's definitely all on the table. It's got to all be on the table. No stone should be unturned for Kyle Davidson, and I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes forward, and we just got to wait and see what happens. What's your first order of business for Kyle Davidson? What do you want him to see do next? Well, I think the biggest thing here is, you know, not necessarily what I'm going to want to see, but I, what I think is going to happen is he's going to start rebuilding as soon as possible. Like I, I think, I, I don't, I don't know. I, it's up in the air. Anything could happen with Kyle Davidson. You know, we don't, we don't know what he's like as a GM. We've only seen him for four months. I think the biggest thing we're going to see from him is really starting this rebuild in the off season. That's fair. Uh, I'm going to say it's Marc-Andre Fleury. I think he gets dealt before the deadline. I also think DeHaan is going to go, and I wouldn't surprise be surprised if they move Kubalik to a team like the Edmonton Oilers or the Colorado Avalanche or the Florida Panthers. Um, I, I see one of those guys going to one of those places. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if they try and get a first-round pick because unless they win one of the top two lottery spots – they don't have a first-round pick. And it's hard to start a rebuild without a first-round pick. It's not the best draft in the world. It's very top-heavy. Um, there's, you know, Shane Wright is a very good player. He will play in the NHL next season. So if you win the lottery, but then if you win the lottery and you get Shane Wright, next year's goes to Columbus no matter what. So, and is Bedard better than Shane Wright? Is Mitchkov better than Shane Wright? I don't know. I don't know. So it's definitely going to take a lot. I would try and stack first-round picks and prospects as much as you can, and you'll you'll find your next Hagel or your Dave Boland or your Michael Ferolik to play in the bottom six, and then you you got to work on getting your stars. I don't think Kirby Doc's a star, but I think he can be. I think he could be Antoine Vermette or you know something like that. A, a really good player. Hanzus was a great player. Uh, who played in the middle of Panarin and Kane? I brought him up last week. Or Artem Anisimov. If Kirby Doc became Artem Anisimov, that would be awesome. That would be so perfect. I don't think Seth Jones is Duncan Keith at all. But could he be Brent Seabrook? Probably not. But, like, pretty good. Like, really good player. He's a one. But nine mil for the next eight years starting next year. Not this year. Next year. He's still on the last year of his deal with Columbus this year. So by the time the Hawks are ready to win, is Seth Jones's contract albatross. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about with Seth Jones. Uh, I have it written down. What's your take on him? It would be hard to trade him, I think, now, because no, a few teams are going to want to take nine mil for the next eight. Um, he's had a really good year, but is he going to have this good of a year next year if there is no Kane, if there is no Debrinkit, or two years from now? What's Seth Jones looking like for you? Well, he's played 50 games this year. He's got three goals, 31 assists for 34 points. He's having his best year since 2019. 
Um, last year, he only had 28 points in 56 games. And in 2020, he only had 30 points in 56 games. So he already surpassed that in less games than 50 games so far. And I think lately he stepped up to the plate a lot. He started off slow and people are getting to worry like, uh oh, here we go. He signed him to this big deal. And I love Seth Jones and I do think he's the Blackhawks number one right now. Um, I don't think he's tradable. I don't think he's going to get traded right now after signing that contract. The only thing I don't love about Seth Jones is the contract he signed and for how much it was and for how lengthy it was. Um, but as of late, I mean, maybe he just needed some time to get into this new Blackhawk system, right? Is you're playing with a new team. That's not always easy. Um, so if we see if, if he could keep up this consistently going on in the next season, the year after for the rest of this year, then I have no problem with Seth Jones. And I do think the Hawks should keep him and make him their number one, but that's where I'm on with. That's where I'm at with Seth Jones right now. I agree with you. He is worth nine mil. I'm worried if he'll be worth nine mil when the Hawks are ready to win. That that's my biggest concern because if Kyle Davidson is taught, well, you heard him, three years or five years or somewhere in the middle. Where's Seth Jones's production in three to five years at nine mil a year? So it's going to be really hard to navigate through. I hope it works out because I do like Seth Jones and I do believe he is a number one in the NHL. And if you're a number one in the NHL, that means you're one of the best thirty defensemen in the league. So I'm happy with the way he's played this year. It makes me a little happy for next year and the year beyond that. But we'll see what happens with him. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yes, Kane and Taves contracts will be off the books. That's $15 million. That still, to me, doesn't take away the fact that I have nine of it going to a player who might not be worth it four years from now with another four left on the deal. You know, if you want to move them at that point, you're going to have to retain. Like, a good example is P.K. Subban. P.K. Subban plays for $9 million. He hasn't been worth $9 million in the last three seasons. The last time he was worth $9 million was his second to last year with the Nashville Predators. He was worth $15 mil that year. But, you know, the back half of the contract is very bad. And that's what I worry about happening with Seth Jones. It's not a matter of you know, salary cap issues. The Hawks are going to get some cap relief over the next few years, but would I rather in three in five years have Jones or two really good defensemen making four mil each, but you can't because you have that. And I'm not saying any of this is like a lot to happen. It's just something for Kyle Davidson to figure out. And it's got to be on his mind. It's got to be one of the top tier things to worry about when it comes to rebuilding a hockey team. You're not going to talk to me about rebuilds, Kyle Davidson, and then tell me that Seth Jones making nine mil isn't at least a little bit concerning. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot and he knows that there's a lot that goes into this. He said it himself. It's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be quick. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take time. He knows that there's a lot of changes that needs to happen. It's just, how is he going to make it happen? That's the question. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. Absolutely. So what do you got for the Blackhawks on their upcoming games between now and their and our next show? So we got four games coming up between now and next Wednesday. Um, it's it's interesting to see how a season can change the way you think about how a team will play in a stretch of games, right? So we got four games. Three of them are at home. You, you start off, we got home against Edmonton on Thursday, who Edmonton's been playing better, but kind of slowed down again. It's like they're a little inconsistent. Then the Blackhawks go to Philly on Saturday, which Philadelphia stinks. They should win that game. 
Very tough test on a back-to-back on Sunday. You got the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are one of the best teams in the NHL, and they have been all season. Um, and you close it out next Tuesday against your home against the Anaheim Ducks, who are slumping, but they're a team that's capable of anything. I mean, look what happened last night. They beat the Bruins in regulation with less than a minute to go. So they're a team um, that anything's possible. But as far as – so before the season, if I were to look at these games, I would have said, eh, the Hawks – potentially could go three and one here. Right. But now looking at it at this point in the season, they might go one and three. Um, so it's just crazy the how a season can change the way you think about specific teams. Um, I, I definitely think they got their hands full. Edmonton's not going to be a breeze. Tampa Bay sure ain't going to be a breeze and Anaheim's not going to be a breeze. Will they win one game? They shouldn't. Yeah. Could they beat Anaheim? Yeah. Could they beat Tampa? Unlikely, but it's possible. Should they beat Philly? Yeah, they should beat Philly easily, but they could lose that game. So, I mean, you know, anything could happen. Um, But we have a lot of hockey between now and next Wednesday. Yeah, the Hawks are only four points better than the Philadelphia Flyers in the standings. Um, They're bad. They play on inspired hockey. At least the Blackhawks have players that, like, look a little inspired and want to be there. Philly, something's wrong with Philly. But – Playing Edmonton tonight, very excited about it. It is Duncan Keith's return to the United Center. and Or not tonight, tomorrow, excuse me. And I'm very excited about it because it is Duncan Keith's return to the United Center. I know for sure he'll get his little video and standing ovation. And it's also Nicholas Jalmerson night. They're, you know, honoring number four, one of the great shot-blocking defensemen of that era. Very much looking forward to seeing that. Um, it's going to be a good time. I'm excited about it, and there are some good games coming up here. I would predict two and two because eh, one and three is actually probably better. I'm I'm on the fence about Anaheim because they're a bubble team, and they win games they shouldn't win, and they lose games they should win. And to me, that's, that's the sign of, like, a true bubble team, you know? So. Something else interesting, too, and I've talked about this many times on the podcast before, is the Blackhawks always seem to have the Oilers number, no matter how good the Oilers are, no matter how good the Blackhawks or how bad the Blackhawks are. So trust me, keep an eye out on that game. I would not be shocked if the Hawks beat the Oilers. Are they one and one against each other this year? I know the Oil got one early in the season. I know the Hawks beat them, too. Yeah, and the Oil got them once, too. So this this could be the rubber match. I don't know if they play again. But... but- Trust me, the, the, the Hawks find ways to win against the Oilers. It's weird, but I wouldn't be shocked if they win this game. Must-see TV for all hockey fans. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are two players on the Edmonton Oilers you want to watch if you like sports. That is my promise to you. So watch hockey this weekend. I'm telling you, it's good stuff. A lot of it, too. No shortage. Nope, no shortage of it whatsoever. And there are other teams in the league besides the Chicago Blackhawks, you know. And – We're going to talk about those teams in period number two. You know that Joey Parisi isn't running the controls when I say period number two and boom, we're in period number two already. (laughs) We don't have to sit there and wait for him to fiddle around with the – no, I'm kidding. Joey does a great job. Last week, very near and dear player to my heart, scored his 400th career NHL goal. And, of course, I'm talking about Zach Parisi, who has spent time with the New Jersey Devils, Minnesota Wild, 
And, of course, now he plays for the New York Islanders. Of those 400 goals, 199 of them were with the Minnesota Wild. 194 of them were with the New Jersey Devils. And seven of them were with the New York Islanders. He's in the later portion of his career, but he's been on fire lately, picking up goals and assists. He's found some really good chemistry as of late with Kyle Palmieri. And he's one of the... I would say he's one of the 20 best players of the 2010s. So he's not, you know, an elite player anymore by any means, but he's had a very, very, very good NHL career and reaching 400 career goals. Not many people have done it. And he's one of the greatest American-born players who ever lived. And Parisi's been special to watch for a long time. So, Yeah, I mean, Zach Parisi was a big part of all of our childhoods. If you're a fan of the NHL, and being the age that we are now, we got to see Zach Parisi in his prime when we started getting into hockey. Um, and you, as you just saw the video, he netted his 400, 400th goal of his career against the San Jose Sharks. Um, and right now, Zach Parisi sits at 833 career points. I believe there's a chance that if he wasn't on the Islanders this year, and he, the way he played, he could have got to 900 in his career. I don't think he's going to anymore, being 37 years old. And he's not playing at a pace where 900 is realistic. I think being on the Islanders this year hurt his career in a way. I think he could have produced way better on a different team. You've seen how bad the Islanders have been this year. I mean, they had a rough start to the season, so that doesn't help him at all. I'm not saying he would have got to 900 points in his career, but I think that if he was on a different team and circumstances were different – I think he could have gotten there. I don't know what your take on that is or how you feel about him getting to 900. I, I'm sure you agree that you probably don't think he's going to get to that point now, especially at the age he's at. But what do you think? Do you think he could have got there if he wasn't on the Islanders? Or do you think his career was already slowing down to the, up to that point? Yeah, I think uh, Zach is going to retire after this year. It wouldn't surprise me, really. Um, it just seems like he's dealt with a lot of like tough injuries like he missed almost a year and a half because of his back. I think we're talking a thousand points and maybe Hall of Fame if that doesn't happen. So I, you know, he was just always so tenacious. Like every goal you see him score, you see him like within feet of the net there. And this highlight package that's on the screen right now, it just it tells you a lot about the way he played. And there was a lot of injury taken from the beatings that he took around the net. And yeah, I don't think he's gonna reach nine hundred points. Um, in his career, but I do think people will always remember him for some of the great days in his career, like when he was with the New Jersey Devils here scoring goals in the Stanley Cup final and having 90-plus points a season. He was on a Hall of Fame trajectory at this point in 2012 when they were in the Stanley Cup final, and then you know some of the years with the Minnesota Wild led to some serious back injuries, and he thought he was going to retire then, and he saw a specialist, and it got figured out, and he had a surgery that was very difficult on him, and the Minnesota Wild were very, very good during his uh, career there. He helped take that team to the level that they're at now. I know he's not there anymore, but he helped change the way that that franchise had a philosophy, and you know he was just always so good and he played the game the right way he played the game very hard and for a guy who is only or is only 511 it's not easy to produce at that pace and he used his lower body strength to create offense for himself a lot um it was a great career and people are going to remember him for a long time i do think he is one of the 20 best players of the 2010s 
because of the fact that there were so many years, or I guess you could say the first set or the first quarter century, he was one of the best 20 players. Like, of course, at the top is Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Alexander Ovechkin. Their guy, their years where Parisi came like third or fourth, fifth in the scoring race, only behind those guys. And one of the greatest um, shootout shooters of all time, just because of his ability to like use the forehand, backhand. So I don't know. I think he was a great player for a long time. Um, I know I keep saying that because it's just so true. And I I loved seeing him score his 400th. I really did. Yeah. And, you know, he was a rival of mine being on the wild. I saw a lot of wild Blackhawks Stanley Cup playoff series where he would just nag at me, you know, oh, there he goes, scoring against my Blackhawks in the playoffs. And it's just, but I respect him as a player. And, you know, when you see how good of a player he was in his prime, um, it's something you kind of miss, right? Because now that he's coming to the the end of his career, and this goes for any player that I've watched growing up, it's kind of sad when you see him not produce at the level they once were because it's like, oh, I remember how good this guy used to be. And, you know, father time, he, it, it, he's there for everybody, right? So he's the best player ever. So there you go. Um, so it's just sad when players like that come to the end of their career, and it's going to happen to every single player in the NHL right now. One day their career is going to near to the end, and um, new era, and that's what's, what keeps the NHL fresh. New players come in, old players come out, but ultimately that's why Hall of Fames exist, so you can remember some of the greatest players. Even if some of the best players to play in the NHL don't make it to the Hall of Fame, there's always memories you have to remember of how good they were when you got to watch them. Yes. There's a reason that the Devils have basically not been the same franchise since he left, and he scored 200-something goals since he left. So it's it's been fun. Another team, another team that's been fun has been the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have won a billion games in a row. They're back in playoff contention. We all said the East were set the way they are. Washington is looking in the rearview mirror pissed at how close Columbus has gotten themselves. I ask you, what's going on with the Columbus Blue Jackets here? Well, they've won seven of their last ten games, right? And during that span, they've beat. there were two wins in the set of the last 10 games that really surprised me. They beat the Florida Panthers six to three. So it's not like they squeaked out a win against the Florida Panthers. They beat the Florida Panthers six to three, but they did squeak out a win, which was pretty impressive against the Toronto Maple Leafs four to three in overtime. So they played 700 hockey over their last 10 games. Right. And you know where that got them? They're still eight points out of a playoff spot. That just shows you how much how hard it is to make up ground, to play 700 hockey, and you're still I, – I disagree with you. I, I still don't think they have a shot to make the playoffs um, just because of how great they've been playing and look how far they're still out, right? I think they've gotten hot at the wrong time. If this is something we could have seen from the beginning of the season, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. So I think it was just bad timing because um, – are they going to play 700 hockey the rest of the season? It's unlikely. It's probably not going to happen. It's very hard for even the best teams in the NHL to do so. I mean, look at the Florida Panthers. They've lost three in a row, right? So they'd have to win seven straight to play 700 hockey. Are they going to win seven in a row? It's not a possibility, but I would bet against it. I don't think they're going to. Um, so it just shows how hard it is to make up ground, and I still think the East is set. But, yeah, Blue Jackets have been one of the hottest teams in the NHL thus far. Yeah, I want to make it clear. I still think the East is set. I would I would lock in those eight teams if I were betting on it. 
but Columbus is making it interesting. I, I, I said it early in the season, like when the Blackhawks dug themselves in a hole, you would have to play like 700, 800 hockey to even make up a little ground. You know, there was that stretch where they won, what, six in a row, the Hawks, or seven in a row, and that did nothing for them. And, you know, it's hard to make up that ground in the NHL, but being seven points out now, or how many did you say it is? Eight. Oh, it's eight points out. Okay. Yeah, that that's a lot of ground to make up. They played one last game than the Washington Capitals, who are the team in the last wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. But you don't think guys like Ovechkin and Backstrom and Oshie and all those guys are, you know, seeing what's going on in Columbus and they're going to start to ramp up their game a little bit. So, well, it's something. Yeah, you can't take lightly, right? You, yeah. You know, you're eight points ahead. You can't keep take your foot off the gas. So, yeah, of yeah. course, it's something on their mind. Absolutely. I mean, if Washington lost four in a row and Columbus won four in a row, they'd be tied. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But I enjoy watching this team. They beat my Devils last night, and they played a very evenly matched game. It was a four to three victory for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the difference in the game, I always say most of the time when the Devils lose, you can pinpoint it on the goaltending because I do believe that, that that's been a major issue for them this season. That was not the case last night. Nico Dawes was awesome. All the advanced statistics showed that the two teams played a very good hockey game against one another. And then Patrick Laine made one extra really good play. And that was the difference in the game. He scored the goal, his 20th of the season, to give the Blue Jackets that lead. And they hung on and took it to the end. And he's been a big part of the reason they've been winning. I mean, I like this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Devils definitely have some goaltending issues there. But, yeah. Absolutely. Another team that's been hot lately, and this team actually has a chance to make the playoffs. In fact, you can argue it's likely that they make the playoffs, is the Los Angeles Kings. And the Kings went into this season with mixed expectations. I did not predict them to make the playoffs on our prediction show early, but I said watch out for them. They were like, me and Joey had a thing where like we each set a team. Don't be surprised if they make the playoffs. My team for that was the Kings, as was the Ducks. So obviously both of them have a pretty good chance to make it. Um both of us were spot on in our analysis that the California hockey, SoCal hockey was on the rise. Um, the Kings are very good. Kopitar's still there. Dowdy's having a good year. Jonathan Quick's having a good year. They were just shelled by the Boston Bruins a couple nights ago, but that was like one of the first times in a while that they had been like truly beaten down. So I like this Kings team. They're pretty good in the playoffs. I know you've had some soft spots for the Kings over the years. What do you make of this team right now and what they're doing? Well, you know, I'm the stack guy here, so I'm going to let you know that the Kings have won five of their last eight games. But it kind of worries me because let I'm going to dissect the stretch of games they've played lately. Yeah, and the, the five of those wins, they beat the Islanders, which that's not impressive. That doesn't impress me. They beat the Coyotes twice. That doesn't impress me. They did beat the Vegas Golden Knights, but – and I'm not going to – nothing to take away from their win. They beat them fair and square, but – Vegas wasn't healthy. They didn't have Robin Leonard. They don't have Mark Stone. Probably be a different scenario if they were a healthy team. But nonetheless, they ended up beating uh, Vegas. And they beat the Ducks, who have just been, like, straight down into the ground lately. They have not been the Ducks that they were pre-All-Star uh, break. Um, and then what happens when they finally face a top-tier team, the Boston Bruins? They run straight into a brick wall lose 7 nothing, don't even score. So that kind of worries me right there. Are they only going to feed off the bottom feeders in the NHL? 
or when come when it comes time to the playoffs and you got to face a team healthy that's really good, could they produce against that type of team? I don't know. That 7-0 Bruins loss kind of made me a bit nervous for them. I agree with you. I Looking at the Pacific standings right now, I think I would pick any of them to beat the Kings. Um, I think Calgary would beat them. I think Vegas would beat them. I think Edmonton would beat them. And then if they played Anaheim, I think it would be a really close series. I think both teams are good enough to – win a series against one another. And then beyond that, I don't think any of those Pacific teams are going to be the ones playing them. And then if they were in a wild card spot and ended up playing one of the teams in the central Colorado, St. Louis, Minnesota, Nashville, or Dallas, I think they'd get smoked in all of them, but I don't know, you know, at least they're like competitive and they're good and they're allowing us to talk about them. I like when the Kings are good. Oh, I love the Kings. I have a Kings Jersey. Yes, you do. Um, I was always a fan of the Kings. Jonathan quick. Sorry, I have something in my eye. It just like popped into my eye there. Uh, Jonathan Quick made a sick save against the Boston Bruins. He got destroyed, and you know he didn't have a good game at all. But he made one of the save of the year candidates. And I don't know if you happen to catch it, mm-hmm. but you know for those who are watching the live feed are going to see it on the the screen here. I just couldn't believe he got the skate out to make this save. Yeah, it, this this save. I mean, look how beautiful it is right here. Figure, yo, you got an open net. You're going to pass it to the front right there. Shoot it. Nope. Quick denies it. Another shot. Nope. Quick denies it. Um, the only thing that kind of doesn't do it justice here is he, he got shit on the rest of the way. They lost 7-0. I think that save, to me at least, and I don't know how other people feel about it, but it means more to me if you had a great game. Like imagine if he made that save 3-3 late in the third. That save instantly becomes more valuable you lost 7-0. I mean, I'm not going to really – I mean, yeah. I'll remember this save the rest of the season, but there, there's a chance I'll forget it. I won't be thinking about it all the time. If you're like, hey, Frank, uh, do you remember that save quick hit? I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember that save. But it's not something I'm going to talk about. It's not something I'm sure the Kings are going to talk about because they don't want to remember that night personally. Yeah, I agree with you. It, he gave up five of the seven goals. Um, he got pulled. The Kings coaching staff gave him mercy following the way that the team was playing in front of him. But, yeah, Joey called it a save of the year candidate. I can't get behind that just because of the way the game was. It's not a save of the year for me. Yeah, and, and a lot of people are going to want to forget that night. I, Quick's not happy with his performance. No. I mean, any time – if that save was made, like I said, in a key situation, it instantly elevates it to be that much more special. And I think potentially they think of that when save of the year comes. Like, when did it happen? Was it in a close game? Was it – you know, it's just the announcers get more excited. It just it, it it just makes the moment a whole lot more special if the game actually meant something or if the game was a little bit clo- closer. Absolutely. Another team in the Pacific that I wanted to touch on here a little bit, I wore their shirt because I knew we'd be talking about them a little <laughs> bit. The Seattle Kraken, they're a joke. <laughs> they're like, they're going to be good one day, I believe, because the NHL wouldn't have allowed them to – join the league had they not had like a plan in place to really elevate their franchise and make them worth watching. But man, they're bad. They're terrible, which I like the crack. And, you know, I like the, the logo, the concept, the color scheme, but I think everybody was just a little spoiled with what they got from the Vegas golden Knights because expansion teams should be bad, right? They shouldn't, it shouldn't allow for a city 
to just have a team come in and just experience that success when there are teams in the NHL who have never won a cup before, who are still wait, waiting to taste that success. And I love the Vegas Golden Knights, and I was happy to see them get to the, the Stanley Cup final in their first year. But I know that irritated a lot of people. I'm pretty sure it irritated you. I'm pretty sure it irritated Joey to see them so good right away. Um, and I think a lot of people got spoiled with that. And I didn't expect it. I said right from the get-go that the Kraken wouldn't be good at all. I mean, they they went on early on with the stretch of a couple games. They're like, oh, they'll be good or whatnot. But look at Giordano. He's stunk ever since he's come to the Kraken. Grubauer's been better, but he didn't have the greatest start to the season. Um, it just seems like they're an expansion team. So this is what I expect from an expansion team. And I hope that people in Seattle don't give up on this franchise because they need to know it takes time and their time will come eventually. Yes, I agree. Anybody who is expecting Vegas, I don't know what to do for you. Uh, in, in 2017, after the expansion draft for Vegas, I remember predicting that the Vegas Golden Knights were going to be trash. And everyone was like, no, oh, they're not going to be trash. The, you know, they'll be okay. And I was like, no, expansion teams are bad. Everything that I knew, anything that I know about sports tells me that expansion teams are supposed to be bad. They've just always been bad um, in every sport. I think the Florida Panthers made it to the cup final in their third year, and that was, like, astonishing. And, like, they haven't been back since. So, like I said, anything that I've ever learned about sports led me to believe that the good nights would be bad. And then they weren't. An ID crow. And then I fell for it this year with the same type of thinking, like, oh, the Pacific is a bad division. You know, there's going to be someone who comes out of nowhere, just like in Vegas with Wild Bill, and they have a good goalie like Vegas did. And that just wasn't the case. Seattle is exactly what I thought Vegas was going to be, and it wouldn't surprise me if Arizona and Montreal pass them in the standings and Seattle ends up being the worst team in the league. They are horrid. Yeah, they're bad. And it's kind of – like as if Vegas were the chosen ones in this situation. They're the only team in the NHL. I know they've only been around five years. They're the only team in the NHL who's never missed the postseason, which is astonishing for a expansion team. Like it's just mind blowing. Five years, I know, and I know people will be like, "Oh, they're they're not they're pretty young," but five years is a long time for an expansion team to never miss the postseason. Even if you word it like. They have one of the best active playoff appearance streaks, mm -hmm. I think is a good way to word it too. Like they've made the playoffs in five straight seasons. I think the Penguins lead the NHL with like making it in 15 straight seasons or something, something like that. 12 seasons, 13 seasons. Huh? Active? Active. Yeah, active. Detroit. No, yeah, active. Detroit made it 25 straight, yeah. but that ended seven years ago now. Mm -hmm. But. Yes, I mean active. The Penguins are the active leader, I think. And the Hawks were up there, and then they blew yeah, it. They the, li the Lightning got to be up. No, the Lightning missed that one year. The Lightning missed in 18, I think. Like they're, they're, yeah, you know, they were really good the year before or whatever, and then the year after they stunk. They didn't yeah, know. and then they won two cups since that. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, they had the injury to Hedman, and Stamkos was out, and uh, Vas Vasilevsky. Exactly. It's hard to just make the playoffs every single season, year after year after year. And Vegas has done that. And the Kraken, they got a long way to go. Absolutely. In your opinion, and like I wrote down on the sheet, this isn't your Stanley Cup pick because the best team almost never wins the conference. 
I'm not asking who you think is going to win the cup or win the conference in the postseason as of right now. I'm asking you who as of right now do you believe is the best team in the Eastern Conference? We'll start with the East. Yep. All right. We got I I believe it's the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they don't have the most points right now in the Eastern Conference. They're second in the Eastern Conference, but they I think they have been one of the most consistent teams all year long, except that first month where me and you, Vin, told Joey it's going to take time to get the rust off. Um, And ever since then, they've been consistent. But it's either they were consistently bad for a month, and then ever since they were consistently good. And, you know, there there could have been debate that it could have been the Florida Panthers. But after the Panthers just lost three in a row, it's hard to give them the title of best in the East. I think right now – the Lightning have been playing the best hockey. However, the Atlantic division is up for grabs, and I think that'll be up for grabs the remainder of the season because that is so tight between Toronto, um, uh, the Florida Panthers, and even the Boston Bruins if they made a magical run and they start playing more consistent. Um, But other than that, yeah, I got to give it to the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference. That's funny. You, Me and you, we like agree and slightly disagree. I do have the Florida Panthers, and you brought them up. So, like, clearly they're on your radar too. I do think it's the Florida Panthers. They've lost three in a row, and the reason we're still sitting on them um, losing three in a row is because they they lost that third, and then they went on their bye. So they've been sitting on this three-game losing streak for like a week now. And then, you know, they reopen their play, refreshed and ready to go tomorrow against a bad Ottawa Senators team. So – Fully expecting the Florida Panthers to get right back on track. They have the second highest goal differential in the Eastern Conference. And the only team ahead of them is the Carolina Hurricanes, who neither of us mentioned. I think they're in the running as well. But I also think Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Boston are in the running as well. But there's something about the Panthers to me. If they didn't lose three in a row, they'd have a higher differential than Carolina. And they did lose three in a row, so like that means nothing, basically. But, you know, they're right there for, you know, one of the best teams in the league. And the reason I ask this question is because it does spark good debate because I think there are four or five teams that you can make a legit case for. Absolutely. I think you named a bunch of them. Carolina, Tampa Bay, uh, Florida. I... The Bruins, they're a great team. They're they're a very good team. I don't know if they're one of the best in the East right now because, like, they should have won that game last night. That I mean, they're just I, – I, I constantly – I told Joey weeks ago on the podcast, they're not playing consistent hockey right now. And in order to sustain success in the National Hockey League, especially just for one season, is you have to be consistent. Um but, yeah, I mean, it's up for grabs. It's up for debate in the East. In, in my opinion, in the West, there's really no debate. But And we will go there. I ask you, who, in your opinion, is the best team in the Western Conference? Um, I, I mean, points don't lie. It's got to be the Colorado Avalanche. They sit atop of the Western Conference and atop of the National Hockey League with 84 points. Second place. This is just astonishing, too. In the Western Conference is the Blues and the Calgary Flames with 70. There is a 14-point gap between the Colorado Avalanche and the second-best team in the Western Conference. Points don't lie, but that doesn't mean they're going to win the Cup because the best team 
whoever wins a president's trophy has like a terrible record on winning the cup, but they are just, they're never out of any game. I, every time I watch the Colorado Avalanche, I'm stunned. The other night they're down 3-0 to the Jets. And in my head, I'm like, they're going to win this game. They ended up winning 6-3. to They didn't turn back after scoring their first goal. Last night, down 3-2 to in the third. You think, okay, maybe they're going to lose. Maybe the Islanders are going to do it. 5-3 final. Score three goals in the third period. They're never out of any game they play in. And I think that's what makes them so good. And they have so much talent on their team spread out from goaltending to defense to offense. They just got the whole thing. And we're going to see in a couple months if they could turn their regular season success into postseason success. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, like you said, it's really not. I mean, I could try to make an argument for the Wild or the Blues or Vegas. It's Colorado. I mean, they have Nazem Kadri, who's going to get top 10 Hart Trophy votes, and he's their fourth best player. If you, like you look at like careers, and or even fifth best player if you include Makar, who might win the Norris Trophy. It'll come down to him, Fox, Ekblad. There are a couple guys in the mix, but Makar leading all defensemen in goals will certainly have him right there. Um, they're getting good goaltending. Nathan McKinnon still one of the best players in the NHL. I say still as if it's going to change anytime soon. Nathan McKinnon remains one of the best players in the NHL and will for the foreseeable future. They had, he had some injury issues. I, I know there's obviously COVID that went on early in December, but Colorado Avalanche are on fire. They've only lost in regulation 10 times. They've only lost at all 14 times. And between their 14 total losses in the entire NHL, only the Lightning, Panthers, and Hurricanes have less just losses, regulation losses, than 14. Every team in the league except for Tampa, Florida, and Carolina have more just straight-up losses, not including OT losses, than Colorado does, including OT losses. Do you understand what I'm saying by that? that, that that's like crazy to me. Yeah. So – you know, this team's amazing. They're well coached. Joe Sackick is a great, you know, leader of hockey operations and all that kind of stuff. And highest goal differential in the league. It's not even really close. I think second place here is Calgary with 57. Oh, no, Carolina has 59. So that's a little closer than the points standings. But Carolina's actually not as far behind them points wise as I thought. They're only five points behind them in the president's trophy race, but you know, these are really good teams. Um, Colorado is going to have their work cut out for them in the playoffs because in the first round, they're going to have to play a team like the predators who have sorrows who could steal a game or two. I think they'd win that series, but if sorrows stole a game or two, I wouldn't be surprised. And Yossi's going to get Norris trophy votes as well. They might get Connor McDavid who could take over a series. I think we would all pick the avalanche, but I also think none of us would be like straight up stunned and feel like we know nothing about hockey if McDavid and Dreisaitl took over a series. That really wouldn't stun me. Um, Vegas could really just have it all click in the postseason. And, you know, that could... Absolutely. I still think they're contenders. Yeah, they are. If Pacioretty, Stone, Eichel, Theodore, Petrangelo, Leonard, if they're all, like, clicking on firing all cylinders at the right time in the postseason, they can take down the Colorado Avalanche. I do believe that. They could also lose to the Colorado Avalanche. I hope that's the Western Conference Finals really bad. That would be, like, so sweet. And, of course, I'll root for my Minnesota Wild in there as well. But 
can't really argue with the Colorado Avalanche. I think we'd both even say they're the best team in the whole league. Oh, yeah. It's not even close. They're just yeah. – I mean, you know how they're saying defense wins championships? Yeah. They could play defense. They could outscore their opponents. They could score six or seven a night like it's just a regular day. I mean, they have good goaltending too. It's just crazy. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So I'm going to ask you, Frank, what is your favorite NHL storyline that happened either in the last week or going into next week? Um, Honestly, you keep it really cliche. Uh, it's the Blackhawks hiring Kyle Davidson as the general manager because you know more than anyone and – like my family knows how much I love the Chicago Blackhawks. And this really sparked, was like a big spark to me. And like, this is going to hopefully change the Blackhawks down the line in the future. I'm excited. I want the Hawks to get back to winning ways. So them just announcing them as a GM, there's no more ifs, what's now they don't need to focus on that. They could just focus on turning this franchise around. And I I'm excited to see what's to come in the future. I want them to get back to their winning ways. So even though something as small as naming a GM, this was a big moment for me as a Blackhawks fan. I agree with you. That's a great point. Uh, my story, and this is going to be a test if Mr. Joey Parisi is watching, because he told me that I better talk about the Boston Bruins a lot while in his absence. And I didn't write them down on this sheet at all. And he saw it sitting on the table last night. And he got very angry that the Boston Bruins are not mentioned on this sheet once. But little does he know that my what is my favorite storyline of the NHL season right now has to do with his Boston Bruins. And those who know me know that Tuka Rask has been my second favorite goalie ever. My first favorite goalie ever has been the great Martin Brodeur. He's the greatest goalie who ever lived. I will spit facts at anyone who tries to argue with me about Martin Brodeur. You're not going to win that argument. I'll bury you. But Tuka Rask was a close second. And I loved him. We wore those shirts that say Tuka Rask is good. I actually, I'm looking at one right now. It's sitting over there. I like that shirt. It's a good shirt. And Rask was amazing. They tried to bring him back, pump some juice into the team. It didn't work. He retired. Part of the reason I think the Bruins actually do have a chance to like take some momentum into the playoffs and maybe make a deep run is the fact that their goaltenders kind of got, you know, kind of got, I don't want to say like hurt a little bit, but like I'm sure there was annoyance that Rask came back and all of a sudden Swayman had to take his ass to Providence for a couple games. I mean, this man's numbers are outstanding, and that is my favorite story of the week so far. Jeremy Swayman leads the National Hockey League in goals against average 1.95. Okay, Shesterkin also has 1.95, but Swayman's ahead of him. I'm wondering if that means there's a couple decimal points that, like, elevate him above that. And then you go to save percentage. He's fourth with 929. I think Shesterkin's going to win the Vesna Trophy, but I think Swayman is more in the Calder Trophy conversation than people realize. If I were voting for the Calder Trophy right now, and I said a while ago that my dream is to vote for the Hart Trophy, I want to become a big enough hockey writer where I get to vote for the Hart Trophy one day, I would like to vote for the Vesna Trophy too, but even if it's the Calder Trophy, I would give the edge right now to Lucas Raymond. I think he leads. I think this Lundell kid in Florida, second place. 
Swayman's in third right now, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if by the end of the year I'm saying he should win it because a 195 goals against average is ridiculous, and a 929 save percentage is ridiculous. He should come in second for the Vesna Trophy if the season ended today, only behind Chesterkin, who has been one of the best goalies in the league. He's the reason the Rangers are where they are. But, you know, that's where I stand on the whole thing. I'm very happy about Jeremy Swayman, and he's probably a little happy. Tuka Rask retired, and he's getting his chance back. Instead of having to play in Providence, despite his numbers being this good, he could be one of the goalies of the future. Good on you, Jeremy Swayman. I'm rooting for you. Yeah, and, you know, Allmark's been good too. No slight to Allmark. Yeah, um, and that's another thing. They they love each other. They're best buds, and you could see it after every win. They do their hug ceremony, and they just um, – but I, Swayman's just obviously can't be argued. He's the better of the two goalies. He's been playing way better. And Allmark was in net last night when the Bruins lost 4-3. to three. If Swayman's in, I think that game goes completely different. But Swayman's not God. He can't play every game. So you get what you get. Who is God? You're not. I'm not. I didn't say I was. We could debate that or anything you want in the next period that I like to call the fun session, period number three. Welcome to period three. We don't have Joey here, so obviously that's one less voice. That means the show will probably naturally be a little bit shorter than it usually is, but maybe not. But like you figure you take one-third off and – one third of the time would come off, right? Just because, like, that just is how it is. Yeah. But, and before I came on, you guys said it was shorter. It was like an hour and a half, right? And you also have to think every question you ask us, you're getting an extra like couple minutes of somebody talking. So exactly. put that together for every question you ask. If Joey spent two minutes even talking about something, and you asked us like ten or fifteen questions, what you what you do? There's more than that many points. That's an extra half hour right there. But obviously we allude and talk about things a little bit more. So, yeah, naturally, that's just how it is. Yeah, and with three people, I think the conversation can carry a little longer because right. you'll bounce your point off of me and I'll react to it. But then Joey might have something to say about it too, and then we'll react to that point. So Absolutely. now we're talking about how points work and debating how conversation flows. But that's not the point of this. Actually, it could be the point of this period yeah. because literally – the only thing I wanted to do in this period was sit back, relax, and enjoy some conversation. You could literally talk about anything you want in this period. We talked about the Blackhawks in the first period. Um, we talked about the NHL as a whole in the second period. And if you're watching the show and there's anything hockey-wise that you want us to touch on about your favorite team, we try to talk about the whole league. I try to get every team involved. Like I literally have like a checklist of teams I've talked about. When's the last time we talked about them? I make sure all 32 teams get covered. Like I realized we hadn't talked about the Kraken in a while. So what did I do? I put on a Kraken shirt and we talked about the Kraken. So that's kind of what I try to do with the show. I try to make sure every team gets their honorable mentions. There's actually a team I'm looking at right now that we haven't talked about in a little while. And I'm pretty excited to bring them up next week. They're on my they're on my brain right now to talk about next week. I'm excited about it. They play in Canada. That's my hint. Um, I want to know what's on your mind. What's going on? What's up? Uh, nothing. I mean, just to kind of tie everything in back into hockey, you made it aware to me that the Gaming World Championship for NHL, the video game started um, 
I think registration opened yesterday. I just want to go on a little rant on how stupid I think it is nowadays. I wish it went back to the old ways. Um, right now, for anybody who doesn't know, the Gaming World Championship is a way to bring together the best NHL players, video game players uh, around the globe in Europe, Canada, the United or North America, and Europe, I think, are the only two. I'm pretty sure they do because North America includes Canada, the U.S., um, and Europe is obviously Europe. Um, but they have different qualifiers. And, and the way it used to be is, you know, you would go through a giant tournament, kind of like March Madness, right, um, where you would play against – it would randomly generate your team. And you could choose any NHL team you want. If you want to be the Tampa Bay Lightning, if they're the highest overall in the game, you could be the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you want to ride with your Devils and you want to be the Devils and try to bring them all the way to the, the top of the Gaming World Championship, you could be the Devils. That was it for one year. Then after that, everything's gone down the shitter. And now everything's through hut, which I think is stupid because I don't think it takes as much skill nowadays. If you want a team with Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, Patrick Kane, Anybody could flick the stick and it could go, it could, there could be a lucky shot because these players just have amazing stats. But if I'm forced to use the fourth line on um, the Washington Capitals and some of them are a 79 overall, low 80 overall, I think that that makes it more skillful. You have to prove better that you could outplay your opponent with players that aren't as good. So I just, I think it's stupid the way that they've changed it. Um, you made a good point to me yesterday on why they did it. And I agree, it's money. They're making money off people buying packs and people playing the game mode that they shell all of their time into nowadays. But I just, I just need to get that off my chest. I think it's so stupid. And then if anybody from the gaming world championship ever watches this or hears this, I think that it would just be so much more competitive if they go back to how it was in year one. Zero chance you register. No, I haven't registered since the first year because I, it's just stupid. Why should I have to play with the best players in NHL? Show more skills. Show that you could beat me with these 80 overall players. I understand. I understand. Do you have NHL 22? I do. You know, I don't yet. And I would like to get it. It's, a My, it's been a whirlwind of a life for the last couple of months. But, yeah, I would like to get it. You should. I want to play it. I really want to play it. Yeah, we can play together. What do you What do you agree? Do you agree with anything I said? Yeah, I do. I understand. Like the point of HUD is to get people to buy packs and play the game more. It gets people to do two things that EA Sports wants them to do: play the game more and uh, buy packs and you know buy coins and look in the marketplace. Like, hey, can I spend a million coins on my Sidney Crosby or my Sidney Crosby last time I played Connor McDavid? Oh, I need a goal scorer. Okay, let me go pay for Austin Matthews. Like, you know, he's the cover athlete. I'm sure he runs for a lot of coins and people probably, you know, the richer kids can just ask their parents for their, you know, their credit cards and they can go buy the Austin Matthews card. And then if it's the November version or the Hockey Fights Cancer version or the Pride Month version, um, you know, those overalls are always boosted a little bit. So can I find myself a 97 overall Austin Matthews that has 98 wrist, ac wrist shot accuracy? Or if I'm going for Ovechkin and I get like, you know, 98 overall slap shot one-timer accuracy and power and all that kind of stuff, like it's a way to like get people to spend money and everything in this world is a business these days. And that's why they're doing it ultimately. But 
because these are the, some of the best players in the National Hockey League, they have such ridiculous stats that all it takes is just the flick of the, the trigger, a flick of the analog stick, and it could go in because they have such amazing stats. And to me, the Gaming World Championship is set up to decide who's the best player in the world. And I think the way it's run doesn't necessarily mean you're better than me because you could score a goal with Connor McDavid. Show me you could score a goal with Tom Wilson, who is probably low 80 overall player, and we'll talk. Absolutely. I got, yeah, a, I got a shorthanded goal from Tom Wilson in fantasy hockey, assisted by John Carlson this week. That's pretty cool, right? Oh, yeah. Fantasy has been killer, so that's been a lot yeah. of fun. Our fantasy league is on fire right now. All the people that you want to be involved in, like, the top seeding and the top, like, playoff mix, they're the people we talk to the most, I would say. So, like, oh, yeah, fantasy hockey's on fire right now. We need to have a little party. I think we should have a bar down slash fantasy hockey party that we're doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's been a while since we've gotten together because we used to get together for the draft, but now it's just – it's harder now, you know. Yeah, I I didn't do it – it's just yeah, but he I used to come do it. That was a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely! It is a lot of fun. I didn't do the draft party ahead of the 2020 2021 shortened season because I would have had to have it in like January, and no one was having big get-togethers at that time. And you know, this year, I I also think it was like I wasn't really comfortable having like you know, however many people over at that time for fantasy hockey party. Now I'm ready. Oh, I'm ready to rock. I will have this, uh, this sick party. I think the last time we had the fantasy hockey party, we did it um, in 2019 and we did it for the all-star break instead of the yeah, actual draft I think it was. Mm-hmm. because I had, I was away in Michigan during the draft. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was my thing there. I'm trying to think of like, well, other things we could talk about for fun. I actually have one well, in mind. And Scott's brought it up. You can again, but you yeah. Go. Scott's brought it up at the beginning of the show. He's got his Batman tickets. Uh, I'm seeing Batman tomorrow. I've read the reviews on this thing, the non-spoiler the reviews. reviews. People are loving I this can. thing. Dude. 10 out of 10. I know. I cannot wait to see the Batman. DC's not as cool as Marvel. But Batman... Batman's as cool as anything Marvel does. That's like their pillar. Like, who's the leading Marvel superhero? There's not one. There are no. Captain America fans. There are, everyone's a fan of all of them, but there are people whose favorite is Captain America. There are people whose favorite is Iron Man. There are people whose favorite is Spider-Man. DC fans, everyone's favorite is freaking Batman. You know who's a big Batman fan? Uh, fan our friend Dylan. Yep. So I had, a, I had a conversation with him regarding Batman, and he said... Um, because he retweeted something on Twitter that I saw that I think it's Mark Reeves. Mark Reeves is the director of the Batman. And he says he has no, um, he has no, um, can't think of the word, no desire to add any other DC characters into this Batman universe, which is kind of a little disappointing because if this movie (coughs) is as good as the reviews are getting it, well, this is the chance for DC to step up to the plate, right? And be like Marvel. But if that's not what he want, doesn't want to do, I understand. And and I and I brought this up to Dylan and asked him about it because I saw him retweet it. And he goes, see, Batman is so is like more realistic than Marvel is because Batman is a a character who doesn't have 
like superpowers, right? He's got his Batmobile, but this is all stuff he created like with gadgets, right? He's got his grappling hook, which are things that are in real life. I mean, it's not like Batman can fly. I mean, he's strong, obviously, but adding, he says, uh, adding like a superhero like, um, um, oh my God, I'm drawing blanks. Superman. Yeah, Superman. That's what I was thinking of. Adding a superhero like Superman. Superman is, he's not human. He's got, he could fly, right? He lives on different planets. There's kryptonite and it doesn't really make sense to have them in the universe, I guess. But at the end of the day, they're both DC. So regardless, you can't take that away. Absolutely. And as Skylar points out in the chat, there's a 69 Charger as the Batmobile. All I'll say is, that's a nice car. So I'm really excited for this movie. Um, the The trailers make it look really good. I'm excited to see the Riddler. I heard that the Riddler is only in five scenes in the whole movie. But it's like a well-done five scenes. Like You'll understand why it's only five scenes throughout. So I'm very much looking forward to it. I can't wait to see it. Oh yeah, it's I can't wait to see it either. It's going to be a fantastic movie. If anybody's wondering, it just runs under three hours for the total runtime. So if you're you're in for a movie, it's going to be a long one. It's going to be good. But if the movie is as good as they say it is, it's going to fly by. Absolutely. Um, if also speaking about movies and stuff, I read on Twitter today from somebody I don't know. They weren't verified, but I'm pretty sure it got a lot of. I'm pretty sure it's legit. Um, that one of the Olsen sisters was casted for the Multiverse of Madness. You heard about this? As a variant to Wanda Maximoff. Yeah. One of the twins. Yeah, I don't remember who it was, which one it was. It was probably either, yeah, it was either Mary-Kate or Ashley. Uh, Earlier in the week, Elizabeth Olsen signed a long-term deal with Marvel to continue playing her role of Wanda Maximoff. And... That's incredible. That probably means she'll get her own movie now. I think a Black oh, Widow movie, or not Black mm-hmm. Widow, a Scarlet Witch movie would be sweet too. So, and Very, she's such a vital point or part to this franchise right especially now, especially now, especially now, getting into Doctor Strange and her and Doctor Strange in the comments for comics for people who don't read the comics too much and just kind of watch the movies and watch the TV shows. She is a huge part in Dr. Strange's storyline. And that's really where the franchise is going right now. Absolutely. So did you have something else that you wanted to get to before I started talking Batman? Uh, Yeah, because I don't know if you're forgetting what month it is. And we got to get ready for March Madness. I watched a crazy game last night between Purdue and Wisconsin that was for the Big Ten. That game was just wild. If anybody hasn't seen the clip yet, go on uh, Twitter and you can look that up. Uh, it, it, it was absolutely insane way to end a game and for somebody to win the big time. It was just absolutely insane. It just gets me excited for March 17th for St. Patrick's Day, which kicks off round one. I can't yeah, wait. Absolutely. Um, do you have any early thoughts on who you're going to make your champion? Like who you think is going <laughs> to win? What do you got going on in your brain on that? Um. Let me pull up the standings really quick because I don't – I know Gonzaga was number one, and then I think Purdue's four, Auburn's up there. Let me just – Yeah, Auburn, Auburn has been – So much. Yeah. And speaking of Auburn, while Frankie's looking this up to tie things into hockey, you can look up John Bucci Grass on Twitter. It's just at Bucci Grass. Outstanding 
you know, follow for all sports fans, especially hockey. Um, talks about chicken parm a lot. He posted Auburn's hockey jerseys. They're a club team down there at Auburn, and their hockey jerseys, man, they are so cool. And, you know, I tagged a friend of mine that went to Auburn in on those pictures yesterday morning, and, you know, everybody thinks that these things are so sweet. So make sure you're keeping an eye on the college hockey as well. You know, the Frozen Four tournament is going to start here soon. It's hockey's version of March Madness, and you got teams like Michigan and Notre Dame and Boston College and Northeastern and Yale and Harvard and all these teams that are just outstanding, and I can't wait for that as well. All right, so I have the list. I'm going to read you guys off the top six teams um, for a specific reason I'll get into. Vin, you probably heard of this. Right now, one is are the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Two is Arizona. Three is Auburn. Four is Purdue. Five is Kentucky. And six is – or no, five is Kansas. Six is Kentucky. I read off those teams because the other day on February 26th, history was made in college in men's college basketball, and I'm pretty it could be all of college basketball history that something happened that day that nothing like it has ever happened before. All six of those teams lost in the same day. One, two, three, four, five, and six in the country lost on the same day, which is rare. It's rare that one or two lose. Not this year, though. I mean, it's really been up or down. And that right there, to answer your question of if I have any early picks, proves that this is going to be a year like nobody knows is what's going to happen. Last year, it was Gonzaga and Baylor. Those were my two. I picked those in my bracket to be in the finals. It was pretty clear cut that those two teams were going to be there. Now I don't know. Gonzaga's fluctuated. They haven't been one all season. They've gone up and down. There was a time where Purdue was number one. There was a time where Auburn was number one. Um, And it just seems like there are so many good teams in college basketball right now, some who aren't even ranked, that could make runs in the tournaments. I'm really excited for this year. Um, Last year, I said, was the first year that I thought that the best team was going to win it. I don't think the best team's going to win it. Gonzaga is not, by any means, hands-down favorite to win this tournament. I think Purdue are frauds. They're number four. Um, They have just been losing. They lost the other day to an unranked team. I don't know why they're so highly ranked. I don't see them making it very far or even winning it. Um, But we should see. We shall see, man. I'm excited for it. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I'll be running a March Madness tournament. And I will tell the people watching this show something. If you DM me on Twitter, at Vinny Parisi, telling me that you want to get in on my March Madness bracket for $20, you can. It's open to whoever wants to do it. You're not going to get the invite until you Venmo me the $20. But I promise you that if you want to be in my March Madness bracket, you can reach out to me and you will be allowed in. There's no, there's nobody who ain't allowed. I'll put it that way. Everyone's, Everyone is invited. Everyone's welcome. And Frankie... Frankie wants to try and take your money. Let's go go prove Frankie wrong. Come make a better champ. Come make a better bracket than Frankie. We dare you. With my money, bitch. That's where we're at. I'm the defending champ, and I'm here to defend my title, and I want somebody to try and dethrone me. That's uh that's what I love about it. There you go. You got any shows you've been watching lately? 
Oh, you know, we got our shows. I watch Survivor, Big Brother, Celebrity Big Brother, you know, all the reality shows with my brother and my girlfriend. Um, But I know soon we're probably going to start Book of Boba um, because I want to watch that. Um, I want to watch that before, obviously, Kenobi. Um, There's a lot going on. Yeah, I I know. I mean, there's a lot of shows. Other than that, just your regular shows. I love the show Big Sky. It's like a thriller crime movie that's on, um, I think, ABC, I want to say. That's been incredible. I'm getting excited for Stranger Things coming up in May. So there's a lot of good TV shows on right now and that are going to be on. And I just got to watch more of it, to be honest with you. Because right now it's sports. I watch a lot of sports. So, Absolutely. Hey, that sounds like so much fun. What about um, you? Well, you know me. I'm all about the sports. I watch hockey every day. Football's over. But, you know, the combine's going to be soon. I'm I'm itching for some Neil Stopchinsky uh, bar on tap or draft on tap analysis on the upcoming draft i'm excited to see about the nfl draft and how that's gonna go of course you know hockey baseball's gone so fuck baseball but you know basketball heating up i'm seeing so much red with the bulls they've been kind of stinky lately i think they you know they have a lot of work to do before they're an actual championship team i do think they have a chance to win around especially if they have home court but you know we'll see what happens with that and then of course hockey my devils doing the podcast and all that but you know something that's not sports related that i've been watching lately with my girlfriend who i love very much who i was supposed to, i'm giving a major shout out to on this show for introducing me to this show it's called love is blind love is blind is a netflix show where i don't remember exactly how many candidates started out men and women and they date without seeing each other and the only way to be able to see your person or any person is to like propose to them and they say yes. Like you have to get engaged in order to see the person. So that show I watched and we grinded all 10 episodes in two days. Is this just one season? Well, each season, it's like The Bachelor. Like each season has like, new is people. Is it new or oh, so it's been around a while. There's there's the second season. Okay. I did not watch I did not watch the first season. Um, these clips here on the screen right now are from this season that just passed. And they're all Chicago people, which is really cool. So once everybody meets a fiance, they are in Chicago for the whole movie. Like all this stuff that you see them in person is in Chicago, except for there's a brief episode or two that take place in Mexico. Like they go on like a little vacation after getting engaged. So just finished it. I know the results of all the, you know, weddings and who says yes and who says no. And it's definitely interesting. Yes, absolutely. Because there's a show called Are You the One where there were 10 males and 10 females and they were trying to, you know, you had to find your match. Like the show made a match for you. You just got to find who it was. So that's not like this, right? Like in that show, it's like you find your match, you're together. There really was like no yes or no. So this like you could say no. Yes. You could say no while you're in the pods and you could say no at the altar. Like they give you an opportunity to say yes or no at the altar too. But you don't, you can't say no after it happens. Like, but after you see them, you have to make the decision in order to see them, right? Yes. Yes. In order to see them. Yes. Now you could, you could break up in between meeting them in person and the absolute, you know, wedding ceremony. So 
I have I have nothing but love for this show and love is blind because I went in not knowing this show. I had never heard of it until right before I watched it. And TV love is blind as well because I love this show. I'm already excited for season three. And that was be my next question, do you think there'll be a season three? Oh, 1 million percent. I mean, this show, it's number three on Netflix. I think it was number one at one point. So I have I nothing. I yeah, it. It's outstanding. And then, of course, you, you need to watch Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. Like, what the hell are you doing? Dude, I told you I would. That we're both going to, you're going to commit and I'm going to commit to a show. What do I have to watch? Stranger Things. I I watch I'm Stranger Things. You, I'm telling you. We'll, the we'll second I know for a fact you're committed to one of those two shows, I'll do it. But you can't lie. If I commit and you don't, I'm going to be pissed. No, I'll test your ass. I mean, you're on you're on camera right now. This is live, so you'll know. Like, oh, I know. The whole world knows that if you're gonna lie to me or not. Absolutely, absolutely. There's no. I'm not worried. Most of the stuff I do find its way to either Twitter.com or this show or something. So, like, no, Scott, I haven't watched Game of Thrones yet, but I will. And I know everybody hated on the last season, but I think that I'm the type of guy who would like the last season. Like you are. Yeah, you are. Because you have no idea. The, the only thing I like about the last season is that what happens, you would have no clue that it's going to happen that way. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing that like made me not completely hate it. But I haven't read the books yet. I have the first one. It's in storage. Just moved into a new place. Once I get the, to the storage unit, I will grab the book and I will probably start reading them all. I bought the first one in paperback in case I don't like the books. And if I like the first book, I'll probably buy the rest of them in hardcover because I learned my lesson with Harry Potter. I only mm-hmm. have I only have Harry Potter four, five, six, and seven in hardcover. And now you can't find any of the other ones in hardcover with the original uh, cover art. I don't know if they're worth money now or something that I have them, but when you go to the bookstore and look for the Harry Potters, it's all new. Um it's all new album art or cover art. And that like bugs me. Like you can't get the old stuff anymore, which also like is kind of cool. Cause I have the originals and maybe they'll be worth something someday, but Harry Potter, great books. Vin- or Skylar wants to know if, since I'm into history, I would like drain the oceans on national geography, which is on Disney plus, I believe, which is cool. Um, yeah, I would absolutely watch it. I love history. I love history of anything. Um, History of the world is certainly of my interest, so I will write that down and keep that on my radar because there's a lot of cool stuff to watch. Entertain. That's why I liked dedicating a whole period here to talk about whatever we want because entertainment pizza is just never-ending. It's like a never-ending slice of pizza. And there's always you know, something new coming out. You got the sports slice. You can even divide each sport into its own slice. You got the hockey slice. You got the baseball slice. You got the football slice. And let me be very clear about something with baseball, my baseball slice of pizza. Just because the MLB is a shit bag doesn't mean the sport of baseball is a shit bag. I'm going to buy the MLIB subscription, and I'm going to watch the Charlotte Knights and the Iowa Cubs and talk about them on Crosstown Crosstalk and say screw you to the freaking two teams in Chicago and all 30 MLB teams. I'm so pissed at them. I might not go to a single game this year for either team. Fuck them. I know I will. I'll probably go to. Yeah, you're a liar. You're gonna yeah, die. I know. I know. But, you know, 
I made my way to Wrigley Field four times last year. I love Major League Baseball. I just hate the way it's ran. Rob Manfred's a fucking asshole. I hate that clown. And he's an idiot. But then, you know, you got other things like movies. I love movies. Going to see The Batman tomorrow night. I like plays. I like musicals. I watched for the first time a couple weeks ago. What's the one you really like? Uh, Greatest Showman. Outstanding movie. It is. It is outstanding. The thing I always try to tell people when people are like, oh, I don't have time for that. Oh, Oh, the Chicago Dogs. Don't talk to me about the Chicago Dogs, Caitlin. I love the Chicago Dogs. Now, they're my new favorite team. Who, who are they? They play in Arlington. No, it's not Arlington. Oh, Rose so Mount. it's like, they play it's in like Rose the Mount. Boomers or like something like that. Yeah, but they actually have a part. They're independent ball. They, they like oh. have a partnership with Major League Baseball. Oh. They're not a minor league team, but – there it's, yeah. it's, it's called independent ball like you, you you would have to look up like the specifics of what the league is and i also see in the chat that they are casting for season three now i'm assuming we're talking about love is blind so we're gonna have a dallas version of love is blind which is nice excited about that um aldo's going to dallas now don't tell his wife though don't tell his wife um yeah so i this the only thing i like to say about entertainment is keep an open mind if someone tells you you know Oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. Chances are they never gave it a chance, you know? So, yeah, Scox. The Rosemont Field, I believe. Let me think of the name. It's on the tip of my tongue. I've never even heard of these guys. It's very close to um, the airport. Um, Well, yeah, Rosemont is. Yeah, but like the stadium itself, too. There's restaurants over there and hotels, and there's the Rosemont Theater. Um. I'm trying to think of the name of the field. It's like a feel-good name. Oh, what's the name of the field? I'm, I'm not going to look it up. Um, yeah, the Chicago Dogs. Check it out. Um, I definitely – Impact Field. Impact Field. That's what it's called. So you could go check out a Chicago Dogs game. I've never been to one, and I know for a fact I will have gone to one this season, and I'm going to buy a hat because I like hot dogs. I like real dogs. I like hey, Chicago, I and I like baseball. You know, I'm in. I'd go. Yeah, and they're, they're kind of blowing the MLB thing up. Like, only the first week of the season has been canceled. Baseball has not been canceled. The season's scheduled now to start on April 8th instead of March 31st, which how many of those games would have been rained out or colded out anyway? Like, I don't know. It's just annoying because like, – It's all just stupid because it's fucking, all over money. Yeah. Well, it's money. It's escrow. It's – Yeah, but it's just like this could all been – Rules – uh, salary caps, like competitive balance. I, I think actually that's the biggest thing is the luxury tax because players are tired of playing for teams that aren't trying to win. Mm-hmm. So that like they got the rules figured out. There's going to be 12 playoff teams. They're going to have the DH in both leagues. They're going to get rid of the stupid runner on second base. The money and all that is kind of figured out. They, they, they want minor league players to get paid more, which minor league players make more, make less than most of the people watching this podcast. I bet not a lot of people know that. And, um, the biggest issue now is the luxury tax. You know, the Yankees and the Dodgers have a significantly unfair advantage and teams like the Rays and the A's are better ran organizations. And then you got teams in the middle, like the White Sox and Cubs who play in a major market who act like little market teams. So. And the the double header rule gone too with the seven innings. I think so. I I think so. I think that was talked about with the runner on second. Yeah. Yeah. Together in the same package. Yeah, that's stupid too. Why, like, why take away my baseball? I want a real <laughs> doubleheader. 
Yeah, That's, so do I. How many innings are you taking away from me? Four? Screw you. No. Yeah, four. Four. Yeah, screw you, baseball. I'm sick and tired of your trash. I'm going to watch the Chicago Dogs <laughs> and watch more movies and TV shows because, like, I'm, t- I'm telling you guys, some of the stuff that I was the most closed-minded on turned out to be some of my favorite stuff. I loved Love is Blind. I loved Game of Thrones. I was so anti both of them early on. And if you haven't watched have something, if you haven't watched something, your opinion on it is irrelevant to me. If you, you watch it, if you watch it and don't like it, all power to you. Not everything's for everyone. Like, uh, you know what's not for me, and I know you love it. I would watch it. It's not bad. I could just never see myself like sitting down to watch it. Survivor. Survivor's an old, it's a good show. I understand why people like it. But like it's just not like a show that I would be able to find time for. You understand? But it, it, I hear what you're saying. But like I've watched it before. I feel like my opinion on that is, you know, I'm not being closed-minded about it. Even mm-hmm. though I'm sure I actually I'm sure it's uh I'm sure it's changed a little bit since the last time I watched it. So I actually wouldn't be against watching a little more modern version of it, but you never know. It's exciting because there's a lot of backstabbing and a lot of drama. And it makes Ooh, I do like backstabbing and drama. Mm-hmm. I mean, American history and world history is based on backstabbing and drama. Like people just think there's these people out in an island and they're just sitting here like eating, eating bugs. Lots. Yeah, no, it is it, it is nothing to do with that. They're not eating bugs. They're fishing. They're spear fishing. They're getting coconuts out of trees. It's not like you're eating a rat that runs by. And there's games. I like games. I watch it for the competitions. Um, but then you got the people who whisper like, all right, we're going to blindside this guy. We're going to eliminate him. And it's just, it makes for good TV. Absolutely. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about on, uh, the fun session? I mean, we, we went over a lot. I think we covered so many different aspects of the fun session. We talked about movies. We talked about video games. We talked about sports. We covered like everything. Name a random song that you want people to listen to something that you're sure most people haven't heard or maybe not sure most people haven't heard, but like just a song you want people to go listen to tonight. Better days by Dermot Kennedy. Okay. Better days by Dermot Kennedy. I'm grabbing a pen right now and your boy's going to write that down. I love music. Don't ask me how to spell Dermot Kennedy, but I think it's like D E R M O T T and then Kennedy. I'm pretty sure. Great song. Just discovered it the other day, and I've been listening to it like multiple times every week. It's just a great song. And I've never heard of the guy before. Um, he's from Ireland. Um, so I'm sure a lot of these people watching this have never heard of this guy. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to have to go check it out. I will give there it a listen. That's him. The rain that ain't permanent. And soon. We'll be dancing in the sun. We'll be dancing in the sun. And we'll sing your song together. And we'll sing your song together. We never miss the flowers until the sun's down. We never count the hours until they're running out. There you go, Frank. There's your song. Yeah. Quick answer, you put me on the spot, delivered. Yeah, I my the song I'll say, people have probably heard it a bunch over the years. I'm going to say Sweetness by Jimmy Eat World. It's the Florida Panthers goal song. It's actually a really good song, and I love that song. So do you have 
any bets in mind? I have a couple written down, and I'm glad to share them with anyone watching. On the segment, everyone's favorite segment of the week, Breaking Bets. Where's my money, bitch? We don't have Joey here rocking the Walter White outfit, but we do have Jesse Pinkman hanging out in the background. Yeah, um, it's it's sad that we don't have uh, the glasses and the hat, but the show must go on, and I'm here to deliver some picks to viewers. Lay them on me, pal. I got three. It seems like three is the perfect amount, so I always try to write down three unless there's an event going on, such as the Super Bowl, or I'm sure during March Madness there will be more. But I got three picks, one NHL, two college basketball in honor of March Madness. Um, I'm going to start off with the Dallas Stars. I love the Dallas Stars tonight. They are home against the Los Angeles Kings, and I think the Dallas Stars are a pretty good team in the National Hockey League. I mean, that can't really be argued. They're there. They're pretty good. And the Kings, like I said, they worried me. They ran into a brick wall against the Bruins. The teams they have been beating haven't been really on the Dallas Stars caliber besides maybe Vegas, obviously. And I think the Dallas Stars at home at minus 137 is a great price, not overpaying for it. Um, so there, I, that to me, that's a great pick. Um, just like I said a couple weeks ago, when the Flyers, or I forgot who it was playing, I think the Flyers were a little hot, but I said until they could prove me wrong, I'm going to go against them. And I'm using that same mindset here. Until the Los Angeles Kings could prove me wrong, Dallas Stars money line at minus 137 just sounds way too sweet to pass up. Brings me to my second pick. You got University of Connecticut or UConn. Visits Creighton, and that's going to be a tightly, tightly contested game. I think it could go either way. With that being said, thinking I think it could go either way, I'm going to side with the home team at plus four, getting four points for the home team at minus 122. Um, if it's as tight as I think it's going to be, Four points either way. Going to go with the home team plus the four. Getting a relatively good price on that too, obviously. Minus 122. Can't go wrong with that. Brings me to my final pick of the night. Um, Xavier is visiting St. John's. And interestingly enough, these two teams played earlier um, within their last five games um, where St. John's went into Xavier and won 86 to 73. St. John's money line is minus 123, which could be due to the reason that, I mean, you see that they won last time by 13. That doesn't mean they're going to win this time by double digits or even win at all, which is probably why the line is so almost even, as so to say. Um, but now they're home. Xavier hasn't been playing well. They've lost four straight. They, have, they did just go into Xavier and beat them. So, I mean, there's no reason to back Xavier here. Other than the fact, like, it's hard to beat a team twice. I'm not going to go in using that mi mindset just because they've lost four straight and they haven't looked too well. Um, so I love St. John's to win at home at minus 123. All three picks are pretty much value picks here. And whatever way you want to go about it, I'm sure and hopeful that they come out as winners for you guys. There you go. That is outstanding.
you really nailed that. I, I love this segment. I really do. It's one of the smarter things we've ever come up with. Um, you need to watch Breaking Bad, though. So then you find the It's My Money Bitch style oh, thing a little funny. I'm not going to go my whole life without watching Breaking Bad. I mean, yeah. all these shows will eventually come together. So yeah. I'm not worried about that. But there you have it. Um, Before we get out of here, I have a request for you. Go ahead. I got a text message telling me to tell you to listen to Outnumbered by Dermot Kennedy. I have listened to it. Oh, you have? As soon as I heard uh, Better Days, I this guy was like, this guy went through the catalog. I went, we have Apple Music, went through Apple Music and just started playing all of his songs. Yeah. I also, I think he's got a song, Days Like This. That's a great song if anybody's listening. If you like Better Days, there's chances are you're going to like a lot of his music. So I would recommend giving a lot of his music a chance. Okay. Uh, Apple Music better than Spotify? Yeah, I think so, just because I'm an Apple guy. But that's like you asking, is iPhone better than Android? And I would say yes. Yeah, well, they go together They go together right. like peanut butter and jelly. But that's, that's just because I'm an Apple guy. If I was an Android guy, I'd probably say, oh, yeah, Spotify is better. Yeah, but, but <clears throat> Spotify stinks. But I'm an Apple guy. Yeah, Apple Music for Life. So Dermot Kennedy, Outnumbered. What is the one you said? Oh, Black, uh, Better Days. Better Days. I have it all written down. I will be checking it out. I'm excited about it. Is there anything you got to get off your chest before we get out, out of heat? No, I got off my chest about the Gaming World Championship. I got my little vent. We talked about a lot, and I feel good about everything we've discussed today. So I'm good. There you go. And I appreciate everybody from the bottom of my heart for watching. I've been doing this show from X number of locations over the years. And – I should be in my central zone here for a while now, and I'm excited about it. And everybody who supported the show along the way, you know, the people in the chat tonight, you know, leading off with Caitlin, thank you very much for everything. I love you. Um, Scox, you are just one of the greatest fans in the history of the sport of podcasting. Frank, can't thank you enough and everyone who supports you for doing this thing. It has just been so much fun. I've, I always say this I show – is my favorite thing that I do professionally. I, you know, it's been fun. A lot of things have been going well. This show is by far my number one favorite. I love talking hockey. I love talking entertainment. I love pop culture. I love music. I love you. Uh, was there something you wanted to say? Yeah, I just want to like the people you mentioned. I also want to, I know Paul and Tom are watching. Oh, they yeah. always like to tune in. They give tremendous support for us. My dad's watching, so just everybody, Paula, Tom, my dad, Caitlin, Scox, Aldo, my girlfriend Giovanna, obviously, who always watches every show. She's never missed a show. Uh, just it's great that everybody's here to support us, and it's it's always a lot of fun when we get engagements from everybody. We literally had Scox, Caitlin, Paula, uh, Aldo, King I mean, Skyler, King Pookie. We always have – I know Giovanna, she chips in once in a while. We had Joseph Gateman. I mean, we always have tons of people interacting with the show. And ultimately, it makes what we do easier because it's just easier to flow and easier things to talk to when we have conversations. So, Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It's been good. Can't wait for next week's show. But before we get to next week's show, you're going to have to listen to Crosstown Crosstalk tomorrow where I'm going to absolutely fire off on that complete and utter moran Rob Manfred, you don't want to miss that. Uh, I want my White Sox back. I mean, that's all I want. My White Sox back. That's all I want. But 
you know, got that. We'll rant about that. I know um, all the basketball shows on this show are outstanding. Everybody in Chicago seeing so much red, unless we're playing Ja Morant and the Grizzlies. Um, you know, the draft season is really going to start heating up here. I can't wait to see all the football prospects go through the combine and their pro days and all that kind of stuff. Going to be talking football soon enough again. Um, all the drama going on with Aaron Rodgers. You can catch it all here on the Bar Never Got Baseball. You know, even though we don't have baseball, we're still going to be talking baseball. Science fiction where they're going to be, I'm sure, talking about Batman over the next couple of days. That's something you're going to want to be tuning into. We're going to review Batman next week. Hopefully Frankie sees it by then because um, I'm going to need to do full. Uh, there will be no spoilers regardless of if you see it or not, but I'm going to write a review like I did for Spider-Man, and I'm very excited about writing that because it's a nice little little thing that I'm not necessarily used to. It's me kind of stepping outside my comfort zone to write a review on a movie like that. So, And then, of course, you know, the thing you really got to check out, too, is the Mike North Advantage tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. Uh, Uncle Mike is going to be up there talking all sorts of stuff. He tells his stories. He talks sports. I'm sure he's going to have some delightful things to say about Rob Manfred and the Major League Baseball players and owners and all that kind of stuff. So make sure you check out the Mike North Advantage. That's Aldo and Mike North in the morning. Very excited about that. Can't wait to hear you, Uncle Mike. And listen, Mike North, I know you still owe me my money, Mike North. You get me my money, Mike North, okay? Otherwise, I'm going to have Giancarlo, Giovanni, and Giuseppe coming at you with a bat. Just kidding. I love you, Mike North. You don't owe me anything. Like, I owe you. Thank you for even, like, knowing my name. Um, can't wait to watch all that. It's going to be great. Very much looking forward to it. And make sure you're following at the King Bean on Twitter, at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. And address any complaints about this show or anything going on in your life at Joey Parisi on Twitter. In his, into his DMs. He wants to hear about all your problems. So make sure you send him those DMs. And as always, thank you for listening. Arms on the green railing on the third base side. And ready to bull rush the mound. Two men on. 0-2 count in the bottom of the ninth. Five to nothing, dogs. One more strike for the vision crowd. Kinley kicks and fires. And a swing and a miss, strike three. The dogs are kings in the north. And for the first time in franchise history, the Chicago dogs are champions of the North Division. A slow, methodical bull rushing in the mound ensues.